Now, it's time for our weekly crossing. That's with our colleagues at Deutsche Welle in Berlin. And joining us live is Stephen Beardsley. And today we're going to look at the infection outlook in Germany. I mean, it's always going to be on people's lips. Um, Europe's still struggling um, with the coronavirus. We know the UK um, trying to ease things up a little bit, but uh, nobody out of the woods as we speak. The coronavirus case numbers are rising rapidly in Germany. This is as the third wave of infections picks up steam, and this threatens to full intensive care beds. Remember the first round, the Germans were patted on the back and they were told, you did a phenomenal job, well done, we should emulate what's happening in Germany. But the head of the country's infectious disease centre warned on Thursday that it was time to act and save lives, calling on individuals to reduce contact immediately. Um, you know, and government's wanting to tighten the measures now. So, Stephen Beardsley, always a pleasure talking to you, sir. Welcome. Hi, Kino. Great to be back. Great. So um, how are the health experts describing this situation? Yeah, I think as you just mentioned, the head of the Mm. uh, Infectious Disease uh, Institute here, the RKI, you know, he had a press conference yesterday and he was saying, look, um, you know, you got to imagine that you're sort of in a mountain pass here driving a car when it's pretty clear that both sides are going steep down. You're going to reduce your speed. And he said, in a similar way, we need to reduce our speed right now. And that's really an appeal to individuals right now and to state governments because uh, the federal government is working on um, a law right now on, on tightening its law sort of at a central level. Um, some, uh, basically, it's an infection protection law that would, that would affect all states similarly. To this point, states have individually produced their own laws. Um, but that's still going to take time to go into effect. And so there's this appeal that in the meantime – more needs to be done. People need to reduce their contacts with one another. People need to um, uh, obviously be wearing masks inside. They need to, to avail themselves of testing opportunities. And of course, the states, uh, there's also this insistence that, hey, you know, states, we know that you want to open up gradually, but it's time to, to still clamp down. And so it's it's been sort of this um, this drumbeat that we've seen over the past you know weeks, um, and it's not changing. The numbers are only going up. We're seeing about thirty thousand uh, new cases a day, uh, between twenty five thousand and thirty thousand uh, a day. So it's really um, it's really going right now. It, it's been known for a while this is coming. It's been described as inevitable by health experts. Um, it's really on the politics more to decide what to do. And that's always been the, the trickier part. Yeah. And this, of course, Germany has a population of, what, 83 million or something around there? Yeah, 80 um, plus million, right. Yeah, yeah, we've got about, what, 50-odd. So looking at those 13,000 uh, per day compared to our 20-odd thousand seems to be on par. We had that as part of our second wave. I've got to mm. say, um, it's it's been interesting because we don't seem to be having a third wave just yet. We've just had the Easter weekend. Um these people are trying to figure out which vaccine to use. People aren't being vaccinated mm-hmm. at all at the moment, yet our cases are down to about a thousand and odd uh, per day. And I'm flummoxed as to why. I've got to tell you, you know, do you have the what? What variants do you have there? Do you have we've, the we've, South African variant? We've got Obviously, the, yeah, yeah, we would. Yeah, we. I don't know about the Brits. We've, we've been trying to, trying to keep the Brits out, but um, no, no, we've got <laughs> we've got uh, we've got the South African variant, which 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 basically was the driver of our second right, wave. Right. right, about eighty percent of people had the the South African variant, and then of course uh, the people who had the first variant, the original one that all of us uh, were, were not, I can't say right. gifted with, uh, but 
those people obviously were reinfected the same way as in Brazil. Uh, people are now mm. being reinfected. Uh, people who had the first uh, edition, if you like, of the virus now being reinfected with the variants. The same happened here. So, and, and what about? I wonder. Um, what, what are we so talking we about? See- yeah, here we see that this is the British variant that we're talking about here. It's ah. it's believed to be about ninety percent of new infections are believed to be the British variant. Yeah, and so in a way you can sort of look at it as the UK. Um, obviously, the British variant began there. We'd say or was first found there. Um, it, it really ripped through that country. They went into a hard lockdown, and as you mentioned earlier, they're coming out of it right now. Right. Mm. Um, the continent has gone through that uh, a bit more slowly. So it's been sort of a time lapse. So we've seen France and Spain and a lot of other countries that have gotten the British variant faster. It's gone through them a lot faster. And it's it's Germany's been a little bit slower, but it's um it's now sort of hitting stride. And so that's what we're seeing is the same thing that we saw in the UK. The question is if it will be as um as virulent, you know, no pun intended, if it'll grow if it'll be yeah. as fast uh, a spread. Um and of course, the the you know what health experts are saying is if we don't take measures, then of course mm. it'll be just as bad in the UK. But there were some special things in the UK. There were openings that really allowed it to just sort of rip through that country. Mm. Uh, whereas the continent has been able to sort of look at that and say, okay, that's coming here. Let's slow down a little bit. Um, but you know that South African variant is here, but it's not here in in really large numbers yet. I think there are some states uh, in Germany's west that have a bit of a problem with it, but it hasn't seemed to spread as much as that British one. That British one is really the dominant one right now. Yeah, and they want to give us hell about it. I mean. They were talking about the South African variant, and they don't want it in the country, but their one's a little bit more var- – I shouldn't be doing this, but anyway, <laughs> what the heck. Um, <laughs> now, and then you have the Brazilian variant. So this is – I mean, this this poses a, a massive conundrum for all of us, right? And so you've got these vaccines, and yes, one in a million people uh, develop clots with some of them. Uh, we've stopped Johnson & Johnson at the moment until, you know, better data is available. Um, mm. and, and, and heaven forbid – the Brazilian variant finds its way into various countries. Um, I mean, this is just going to wreak havoc. I don't, I don't know about you, Stephen, but I don't see us getting out of the woods before the end of 2022. I don't know. I'm a bit more optimistic. Are I, mean, you? I think, okay. I, I think, yeah, I, I think these vaccines, we haven't, we don't know for sure that they won't work against they do they do have some measure of protection against Mm. all these variants right the variants aren't completely new strains they're just mutations they have mutations um from the original strain and that does pose a challenge for vaccines but Mm. from if i if i understand this correctly then then those who have been vaccinated and they're and still have been infected with a new variant for example the course hasn't been that bad and also there's not full there's not full evidence to say Mm. to show really what the um what the protection level is for these vaccines against the variants. There's been some initial information, which is yeah. why South Africa, of course, said we don't really want AstraZeneca and Correct. we don't want J&J. Now it turns out or we're going to pause on J- – I guess J&J is being paused for them essentially. Um, and so there's been some some sort of doubts about that, but there hasn't been any sort of rigorous studies. So, right. I mean, it looks like the vaccines are going to offer a level of protection um, and there may be booster shots that are needed, but mm. – I think the big question here is transmission, slowing transmission. And I think that yeah. that that will be helped by vaccines, even if it's not perfect. Um, yeah, in so, the developed I'm, world, I'm absolutely. Optimistic. You know, but, but the thing is, countries with healthy balance sheets um, were, were buying these vaccines on mass, right? Um, and, people, mm. you know, the, the, the EU obviously has been struggling with delivery, and we've had that discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. But the UK, uh, the challenge is um, you've got other countries around the world where they're not as proactive. They've not been as proactive. And I, I still see those countries 
um, having a big challenge um, come the end yeah, of 2022 because sure. that's not that far away. Yeah, I mean, we're we April, right. May, June. We, we, we're about two months away from um, the middle of 2021. Yeah. A year down the line is almost the end of 2022. That's a, that's. I mean, you're exactly right. It's a really important point. I mean, especially if we look at continental Africa, for example. I mean, yeah. from the beginning, you know, experts have said this is really going to be the the challenging point, just due to funding, due to logistics. Um, you know, and if you don't if you don't equally vaccinate across the world, then you're going to have more variants popping up, and the challenge is going to continue to be there. Yeah. And I believe J and J. What I just read was, uh, I think they were they're a big part of the African strategy. That vaccine is, and so pausing it isn't going to help. It's only going to slow things down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, really, if, if things go slow there, then you're right. There are going to be – and I think that's essentially what, what everyone's looking at is that till the end of 2022, maybe even longer, a lot of these countries aren't going to be back to normal. And the economic yeah. hit they're going to take is going to be substantial. So mm. it's always something good to keep in mind as we sort of yeah. bicker over the vaccine delays here um, in Germany, yeah. uh, in South Africa perhaps as well, you know, more advanced countries that have the means, have the logistics, have the ability. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be parts of the world where it's, it's just going to remain a challenge for years. And that's going to be devastating for lives, but also for livelihoods. Um, and that's going to be the long-term impact. But then we also live in this little globalized world of ours. So, you know, because mm-hmm. something takes longer in Africa, depends on your trade relationship with that country. Um, there, there are a whole host of things that obviously impact what we traditionally see as being normal i i, I mean I, when we talk about <laughs> I, I tend to buy into the new normal thing i know i normally don't like these little catchphrases etc but um i think this new normal is something that's still going to be with us uh even, even longer than that so it'll be an interesting one so but let's talk about how the country how germany is actually responding in real terms yeah i mean i, I think you know it depends as i mentioned the governments themselves are you know, that's really where the challenge lies is sort of mm. the political dimension of how do you yeah. how do you respond to this? Because people are exhausted. People are fatigued. I'm sure it's Absolutely. the same in South Africa. People are very mentally tired of um, just everything that comes with following the restrictions, with thinking critically about this, with um, the fear that they live with, trying to figure out mm. that balance of do I send my kids to school if that's a possibility? Yeah. Uh, or if it's not a possibility, how do I keep my kids at home and manage to work? Uh, so people yeah. are exhausted. Uh, I think that's one part of it. I think the so there is sort of this desire to get on with it, to 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 open back up. You know, there are new testing measures available, for example, more widespread testing measures. That's a great thing. Mm. Um, but that's also led some state governments to begin opening up shops a little bit earlier because they're, of course, hearing from businesses as well. They say, look, let's have a testing strategy. Let's let people come into our shops. We need this money. Um, but on the federal level um, and from our, our federal leaders, we've really been hearing it's time to really start closing it down. And so that's really been sort of the, the headbutt here is, you know, the states are saying, look, we need to start moving along here. Uh, and the federal government saying things are going to get worse. Um, and the thing is, I think most people here are of two minds. They see it both ways. They're exhausted, but they also know that things could get very serious, are getting very serious with the third wave. Um, and yeah. so you see polls that show that people support stronger um, tightening measures. Um, but that they also are just very tired and they want this whole thing to be at an end. Oh, um, yeah. So people have sort of mixed opinions. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's probably the way it is in, in most of the world right now in most countries. I don't, know about, I don't know about you, but I'm just thinking of slowing down hey, and just <laughs> – it's, it's, it's <laughs> e- e- easier said than done. But um, it's just that it's been such a kick up the post area um, yeah. the last year and a bit at least. Um, and, and you say to yourself, 
I'm doing all of this nonsense. I'm getting involved in this, and I'm doing that, and I don't actually have time to simply breathe, which is something you take yeah, right. for granted unless you have COVID-19. And <laughs> I've been there, and it's like, and, and I remember sitting in my bed and, and struggling a little bit and, and, and going, what happens if this gets absolutely worse and I can't breathe and I'm fighting and I'm no longer here? And I then start yeah. thinking back to when I actually was healthier and the amount of time I, I wasted and the amount of time I wasted on rubbish that actually didn't add much value to your life. And it's just, I don't know, there's just some paradigm shift at the end of the day, Stephen. Yeah, for sure. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's definitely a... Um is a rethink, especially by people who mm. have um, who have gotten this disease. My father-in-law had, it and he had a pretty rough go of it. Yeah. And um, you know, he got over it, but he had fever for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, he's been—I uh, don't want to say paranoid, but he's become the biggest mask wearer. He's become even more careful mm. ever since then. It's, it really scared him. Yeah. It really scared him, and it wasn't life-threatening for him, but it really was a wake-up call, like you said. Mm. Um, also about habits, eating habits, general health, things like that. Um, obviously we've learned a bit about, you know, comorbidities or risks such as being overweight, diet, things like that. So this can perhaps give people a wake up call and those who may not have really given much thought to it, maybe things like mask wearing, you know, that becomes a bit more important. But on the other hand, it's also, like you said, it may be a little cliche, but there's a new normal where suddenly you wake up one day and you say, I feel weird if I don't even have my mask on outside. And you realize that's also not right to, uh, to, to sort of have this thing hanging over you all the time. Uh, so I think it's finding the balance of how do you, you know, responsibly yeah. take measures in hand uh, without sort of losing your mind and, and giving into to a fear. Absolutely. Now, any hope for progress um, with these vaccinations? Yeah, there is. There is. Um, there is slowly a light at the end of the tunnel here, I think, um, despite these setbacks with AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. Um, you know, Johnson & Johnson is um, holding off on some of its deliveries right now, as um, as you well know. Um, yeah. The good news here in Europe is that Pfizer has sort of filled that gap and said we can actually produce more. Um, so that may allow the EU and Germany to hold on to their vaccination strategies. And what we've also seen here is that vaccinations, daily vaccination rates are kicking up. So we, we keep seeing new records. For example, on Wednesday, 740,000 people vaccinated in a day. That's the most ever um, in Germany. Um, and, and the great thing is that anecdotally, you're, you're hearing from more and more people in your peer group um, who are being vaccinated. So it's not just my 74-year-old neighbor, but now it's someone I work with who's being vaccinated. Now exactly. it's the, the daycare teachers um, you know, at our daycare. It's these groups that you say, OK, I know people now. It's happening. Um, and I think that's a real positive reminder, yes. uh, especially as the temperatures warm up here. I'm, uh, what I've always hoped for is that those two streams will sort of cross that, you know, as temperatures warm up, maybe cases will go down as vaccinations also really hit stride. And I think that would be something that here in Europe and, and in Germany would be um, a really a real turn for the positive after so much of the negativity um, of the past past months. Absolutely. Well, Stephen Beersley, always a pleasure chatting to you, sir. What is your, the rest of your same here, Kino? What does the rest of your weekend look like? Uh, the rest of my weekend looks like, gosh, I don't know. I think the weather here is going to be pretty crummy right now. So yeah, true I story. think we are uh, we're just going to do the same boring thing we always do on weekends. We're going to clean and catch up on housework, and then we're going to spend some time outside with the boys and uh, just uh, as safely as we can, but also just sort of trying to enjoy what uh, warmth there is right now with this weather. <laughs> exactly. I mean, have you do you do a lot of DIY? 
Uh, we just, we just, during the week, we're always so busy. And mm-hmm. then, uh, we find that on the weekend we have to get around to the chores that we just, during the week, we, you know, yeah. haven't really gotten to something falls off the wall, something we didn't do right. A faucet starts <laughs> exactly. leaking. You know how it is. It's yeah, just, exactly. There's always something. <laughs> and you say, all right, I can't really ignore that much longer. But well, when the it. kids allow you to do it, that is, and how old your ones are. That's right. Well, first, kids- first thing is keeping the kids alive and safe. And then <laughs> exactly. we get to everything else. Exactly. How old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is five, uh, and then my youngest just turned two. So two Oh, boys. wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is, uh, you're They're still a, quite young. You, you're a busy man then. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. They anyway, keep us busy. Great chatting to you. Stay safe. Um, our, Pino, rega- thank you. our regards to the family. You. We'll chat again. Thanks All so right. much.